listening to the show everybody pulling up the linkedin live too got to communicate with the audience we just got back from uh freightways live at home it was amazing with the slack channel and social media and everything it was uh a dream come true for us so like to interact with the audience it really was amazing it was a heck of an event I, and we pulled off i mean it was it was, it was a blast and yeah, the, man. the feedback has been unbelievable it has. You know what, though? There's a big murder hornet behind us if you're watching the video feed of this. And nature's got a vendetta, dude. First we had the coronavirus, and now we got murder hornets to contend with. I was reading a thread, though, on Twitter last night. Yeah. Uh, I believe Rex Chapman did it, but it was, it was a praying mantis eating the head of a murder hornet. And this one guy said that he puts 50 praying mantis eggs on his lawn a season, and they take care of all the pests in the, in the yard. He said they're like the Marines. Yeah, that, that's great. I've never done that. No. I, I, I did build bad houses to take care of mosquitoes. Oh, which does that in work? hindsight doesn't seem like it was a great idea. No. <laughs> well, what, what happened? But yeah, it absolutely does work. So yeah, now you just yeah, have yeah. a bat problem. What's that? So no, what, just... no. I mean, you know, the evening comes, they fly around. They're just small. No big deal. Yeah. Well, according to CBS News, though, so there is a supply chain angle here. Carla Selp, a spokesperson for the Washington State Department of Agriculture, said it was unclear how the hornets, which reportedly kill up to 50 people a year in Japan, man, no big shakes, arrived in the U.S., but she told AFP, I mean, that's like nothing, right? I mean, coronavirus (laughs) killing 3,000 people a day, uh, 50 a year. But she told AFP, normally, though, they are unwitting hitchhikers on something like shipping containers or on someone, insect, pests, and other global trade hitchhikers. Do we talk? Talk about it enough. I, I, you know, I, it, it didn't really occur to me until we started talking this, and you asked that question, and, and, and maybe not, Dooner, because according to the Entomologist uh, Society of America, eleven new exotic species are added to the U.S. each year because of international trade, and about seven of those are considered important pests. Wow. Now, here's a statistic: costing the U.S. Uh, about approximately uh, 122 billion dollars. Billion dollars. These pests. That is crazy. We don't talk about it enough. Now. No, like, apparently we're we going to be talking about apparently murder hornets more. <laughs> we, need, we need to do. We the need people to demand do it. That. If you're yeah. in your 30s or older, though, you may remember the Africanized killer bee scare from I the 80s. I remember it. I remember I, it. I was convinced they were coming. I'm like a seven year old kid in my backyard thinking, oh, no. Yeah, I, rem- killer bees. I remember the maps. It was like, you know, they're in Texas and then they're going to be in Oklahoma and then, and then all the way up to Boston and yeah. see this progression going, well, I got four good years left. Well, again, then they were like, <laughs> yeah, they'll be arriving in 1992 and, you know, you're seven, so that's forever. And you're just yeah, like, all yeah. right. That's- then you see bees going, are they here? <laughs> yeah. Hey. That's- Show sponsors some love this month. What the Truck is sponsored by HubTech. HubTech just launched Tabby, a new task automation bot that helps you focus on what matters. To learn more, visit GoHubTech.com. And if you were at Freightways Live at home, you saw their demo. If you didn't see their demo, go on the Freightways TV app and watch all the content. A lot of it's already been uploaded. So you can go and live in posterity and and relive history. Amanda Miller says, y'all did a fantastic job. Terrific content and tons of new connections made. Oh, yeah. The connections being made was unbelievable, and being able to network doing it was just crazy. It oh, yeah. It was really, really good. Hey, so some big news this morning. So Trump says that truckers are getting price gouged. We've been talking about the broker versus trucker debate for a long time. Well, President Trump yeah. went on Fox and Friends 
where he answered a question regarding that May Day trucker protest in Washington that we'd covered, right? Yeah. Truckers had a list of grievances that was including rate transparency, regulation, hours of service reform, and debt forgiveness. Yeah, it's exactly. And he tweeted earlier this week, uh, uh, I'm with the truckers all the way. Thanks for the meeting at the White House with my representatives from the administration. It's all going to work out well, bigly, hugely. <laughs> he had a staffer actually meet with the protesters and give them out hats. Yeah. So they got a bunch of hats out of well, it. Well, <laughs> sitting <laughs> empty And he also, Trump also said that the, what the drivers are asking for is almost nothing. Mm, sounds like an uh, understatement, right? Yeah, it, it really it, does. It could take years to pass legislation regulating rates. Oh, yeah. And is that really what we want, right? I had callers on Road Dog telling me that they not only don't want regulation, they're against it, but they also don't want debt forgiveness as it artificially keeps capacity in the market by supporting underperforming players. Now, on Road Dog, what's interesting is that all of these guys are moving freight. They're, they're the ones who are actually driving and moving freight right now. The guys that are still moving freight and are smart about their business and good negotiators and know when to take these. These are not the dumb guys in a room taking the, the rates that are then saying we need rate regulation, right? Yeah. And, and, and they're the smart ones that know that come, with this regulation comes a whole lot of other baggage that you really don't want yeah so, uh, I, I you know i i'm i'm with that side i mean the debate will will carry on further when we get of to course. common section rodeo yeah, a little bit will. later we'll hear a, a bunch of different perspectives from you folks but leave your comments here too what do you think we need more regulation you think we need some debt forgiveness or uh only the strong survive it's like social darwinism of of trucking right yeah it is <laughs> it is you're, you're exactly right speaking yeah. of social darwinism let's talk about cyber attacks it's only yeah. a matter of time before your business will suffer a cyber attack this is another big issue we also don't talk about enough especially with so many people going remote uh with all of a lot of people opening up their networks wider than ever to allow employees in it's also Leaving it wide open, the door wide open for nefarious actors. The emergence of freight tech has transformed the transportation and logistics landscape. Everything from freight matching platforms to electronic logging devices, transportation management systems to drive to driver checking process have gone digital in recent years. Cool, right? There's a great part of it, but the bad part of it is that paper documentation and physical transactions are becoming increasingly less prevalent. They're all going into machines, right? Yeah. The idea of ditching the file cabinet for cloud-based solution is awesome as long as it's secure. As long as it's secure, because, you know, storing large volumes of data such as sensitive pricing and payment information, customer records electronically has made data collection and processing more efficient, which is great. But ransomware attacks, unfortunately, on the rise. 2019, it was estimated that 966 government agencies, healthcare providers, and schools spent around 7.5 billion dollars in costs related to cyber attacks. But what does that mean for the transportation industry, Dooner? Wait a second. So it's only seven point five billion. I mean, that's a lot. Seven point five billion. Well, what about the murder hornets costing one hundred twenty-two billion? What about the pest, man? We need some supply chain pest control. Uh, Jamie Cannon, Reliance Partners Director of Marketing, uh, said hackers are targeting transportation companies a lot more now because of the abundance of information that they possess. They ultimately shut down these companies because they know that they can't operate without its critical information, which is costing them a lot of mon- a lot of money. Attackers aren't so much interested in the nature of the cargo. They don't really care about that stuff. Right, they're not yeah, yeah. not holding the cargo ransom they're holding your business ransom by not allowing you to move it and they also want to steal all the personal information within your databases either lock that up and sell it back to you or whatever it may be you know tql recent big company that was hit by one of these cyber attacks and there's only going to be more Absolutely. And I think they think that it's a fertile ground because it's kind of it's emerging technology in the the trucking space. And it's seen as one that is finally embracing technology and growing really quickly. And maybe there's some cracks in that armor because not thinking about these fiber attacks. So you need to be thinking about it because they're there. So is this is this a good call for the AS 400? (laughs) 
<laughs> is that is that hackable? I, I, you know, back in the day, we we didn't get cyber attacked in the eighties. <laughs> back in the eighties, that's when people used to do freaking. You used to, you could hack a modem with a tone. Yeah, the yeah, twenty six hundred right. hertz yeah. signal. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> You're familiar with that? I've been reading the anarchist I am familiar with that. Let's call, with that. let's call our guest. We got Bob Pishu. He's a transportation analyst from Inrix. He's going to be joining us. He's yeah. been very patient. We apologize to all of you for the late start that we've had today. And uh, he should be coming up in just a second over here. Ooh, so let me Shane yeah. Eastler says, Dooner, woohoo, dude. It's Fridays. Are we connected? Hey, hey there, uh, Bob. Are you getting us? Hey, Bob. Yeah, hello. Hey, Bob, how's it going? How's it going? Glad you could join us Good. today. This is uh, Dooner and the yeah. dude over here. How you doing, Bob? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing good, man. Where are you? Uh, are you in the Seattle region? Where are you dialing in from? I am, yes. I'm from Seattle, where it's actually sunny today. Oh, is that? So you so guys sunny there and raining here. Yes. That's well, awesome. it rains like twice as much in Chattanooga versus Seattle. Remember, we, we looked into those numbers when it rained all damn winter. Yeah. Hey, so how is, uh, how is the COVID situation going on out, outside your door? In the South, it seems like a lot of people here, are, if you see them outside, they're kind of over it. They think it's cured. I don't know what's going on in Seattle. Yeah, Seattle was one of the, you know, one of the earliest epicenters of COVID. And so people here, you know, appear to be pretty sensitive to what's going on. And so we have seen, you know, the the streets are pretty bare. People are staying inside and and waiting this thing out to uh, eventually, I think, come back and, and participate in the economy again. Yeah, I th- that makes sense because where we're at here in Chattanooga, we never had this big explosion. No. So it's kind of like we're watching this happen on TV, not happening here. We have 122 cases or so. There's like, you know, that's that's like three years of, of murder hornet deaths in Japan. But you've been you've been tracking traffic trends since COVID first showed up in the Seattle region. What have you studied and what have you learned? Yeah, so we've, we've looked at a number of things. So uh, we've looked at um, how people in Seattle are, are traveling. So where they're traveling to, are they going to the store? Are they going to Costco? Are they going downtown? You know, and so we kind of analyzed how consumer behavior was changing with, you know, these announcements of governments shutting certain things down and uh, with the virus coming kind of in full force here. So we're able to take a look at that, how much people are driving, um, incidents on the roadway, uh, as well as uh, the number of trips people take uh, in their personal vehicles, as well as fleet vehicles and freight vehicles. That's that, that's really stuff. So what is the most most surprising thing that you've come across in, in, regarding travel or freight travel? Yeah. Yeah, so nationwide, we, we just released a uh, study, and it's, it's available on our website, inrix.com. But what we found, though, is that passenger travel, um, you know, regular personal travel that you and I do in our cars was down 46% nationwide, but freight travel was only down 13%. Um, so that's showing, that, that showed us, though, that freight travel is still going on. You know, maybe it's different things, like medical supplies versus automobiles, but the freight travel was still going on. But however, we did see some interesting things like Michigan was really hard hit for freight travel. My guess is that has to do with autos and manufacturing. Um, The Gulf states like Texas and Louisiana and Kentucky, um, manufacturing and oil. And so those states have been pretty hard hit. So depending on your region of the United States, um, you know, the, the travel activity is a lot different. 
That's interesting. So the percentage down that you saw in in, in truck travel or freight travel, the 13% down, what time frame was that? Is it specific or do you have real-time information? Is it changing since that 13%? Is it going down more or up or... Yeah, so as you can tell, this, this situation is pretty fluid. Um, we're seeing kind of rapid changes from week to week um, in other types of travel, too. Not so much with the, with freight or, or long-haul uh, vehicle miles traveled. You know, that sort of come back as of last week to about 9% down from pre-COVID levels, kind of, which is, you know, basically end of February, beginning of March. So it's still 9% down. However, those states like Michigan and Texas are still sort of leading the pack in decline. So it doesn't appear that while the nation as a whole has come up, uh, that kind of Midwest, North Central region has still been hit pretty hard. Well, wow, amazing stuff. Have you tracked, uh, we were talking about these pests and how they cost $122 billion to the supply chain. Yeah, and I know you guys track freight. Have you ever tracked pests? <laughs> no, um, you know, as soon as pests start giving out a, a GDP, or uh, sorry, a, a GPS, anonymous GPS probe, uh, we'll, we'll be on the murder hornet. Great, man. You have, an, you have a webinar coming up and a white paper. Tell us about it. Where can people find out more information? Yeah, so our, our website, inrix.com, uh, we do have a webinar that we're going to be going over, you know, what matters to fleet operators, to freight movers, and to drivers. Um, to talk about uh, how technology can really improve things. You know, right now with, um, you know, fewer cars on the road, it's, it's, it's good for, you know, truckers. They can get from point A to point B quickly and efficiently. Um, but we know that traffic congestion is going to come back. And, um, and so with, you know, we're going to go over how we can keep freight moving in this country because it is, it is vi- of vital importance to, get people the goods and services they need to survive. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Thank you so much for joining us today, Bob. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank thank you you very much. Thanks, man. Thanks, Bob. Take it easy. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. So it was 13% down. Now it's only 9% down. But he's saying those states, like Michigan, Kentucky, Louisiana, uh, Texas, et cetera, were, were still hit pretty hard. That would mean that maybe there's some areas of the country that are only 1% down, 2%, maybe even up. Yeah. As far as freight travel movement. I, you know, I have, have you driven any long distances since this no. whole thing broke out? Yes. Yeah, so I don't really have, like, I, I personally don't know what traffic has been like. Well, We didn't go to Atlanta for Freight Waves Live. Yeah, no, I, I have no idea. I mean, I drive a stretch of highway to come into work every day, but yeah. th- that, that's it. It's never been heavily traveled anyways. A couple comments here. Daniel Baca, he says, wouldn't a professional cloud-based... Uh, Server be more secure for my personal protection. Yeah, in a lot of cases it will be. And when we've seen a couple of hacks, the AWS, the Amazon servers didn't get impacted, but the metal, the servers within the company were the ones that were nailed. And he, and the, the thing is, we were talking about freaking and hacking tones. The guy who did that stuff, he didn't do it by having like special computer skills. He did it by social engineering. Just doing what people do with phishing, calling people up, making them think they're supposed to give you information that they're not supposed to. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got to be careful. Right, like they're getting the trickier IRS. and trickier with like proposals, invoices, things and stuff, spoofing names within the company. Yeah, absolutely. Always look at that email address. Look at the end. Make sure that uh, you're being secure. Yeah. And if someone wants you to give login information to something you pay for, be very careful. Yeah, phishing's bad. 
Catherine Whitehouse says, we do not want rate regulations, just fair rates for what we do. Is it unreasonable to ask to cover your wheel time costs? Pay your driver, inside staff, plus a small percentage of profits. Carriers want to stick together instead of undercutting one another. Well, we'll we'll further that debate when we get to comment section rodeo. But right now, it's time for some good news, bad news. All right. Here's the bad news. Truckers are still having a horrible time getting PPE. Another issue we've, we've been stressing, hoping to get that message out there, getting as much help yeah. as we can. Well, our often guest, our contributor over here, Ingrid Brown to the rescue. Brown said she has been working with executives at International Truck, Triumph Business Capital, and our good friends at Triumph Pay to develop a plan to help truckers. The three companies are partnering to purchase and deliver. Get this, more than 75000 in PPE to truck drivers who are working around the clock to deliver these essential goods including medical supplies and food, the critical PPE supplies, including 6,500 masks and 6,000 eight-ounce bottles of hand sanitizer, will be distributed throughout select truck dealerships in the U.S. and Canada, according to a joint press release on May 8th. So nice, getting more of that out there. Nice, nice. We need to keep that flowing. we got to keep the drivers safe and keep freight moving. They're keeping the economy moving. They've done it through this crisis. we got to keep them going. Yeah. Uh, oh, bad news. The DHL supply chain pricing power index has fallen to 10, Dooner. Yeah. <laughs> it's low. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, it falling to 10 isn't any good news for any truckers, it's right? It's like 0 out of 10, right? It's yeah. 0 out of 100? Yeah. It's 10, meaning it is on the shipper side. Yeah, so right? these are pricing power indexes. It's not a pricing power index, so it means yeah. the carriers have no pricing powers right now. It's, the, it's solely on the shipper side, which is good news for them, I guess, but bad news for the transportation industry, for the carriers, et cetera. Uh, the other good news, I mean, it's not, it's good news that we're seeing trends that could change that. Okay. Right, that would bring that that way. There are trends. Sonar is showing that volumes in van, reefer, and flatbed are all rising, right? Uh, overall, 10.37% uh, over the past 20, uh, 20 days or so. And we're at that, we're close to that 9,300. That was part of the great debate that we saw. Yeah. And so we're at 9275.67. So 9300 is is in sight. Now that's not going to change everything and capacity is going to shrink and sprites are going to go up, but it's moving in the right direction. So yeah. there is a glimmer of hope. There. The great debate, the bear versus the bull, Craig Fuller versus right. Zach Strickland. Look it up on the FreightWaves TV app. It was a good time. They're arguing over, over freight volumes and the improvement in the industry. Uh, interesting results because Zach had kind of an easier time because he had the position that I think that the audience, the jury had, the people who were voting had. So Craig Fuller had to convince everyone otherwise. I think he did a good job, but it was one of those things you have to, is there no reasonable doubt, right? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly right. And it would, would, what Zach did, yeah, which was outside the freight on his argument, what he did a really good job of establishing Craig as the pie in the sky guy, yeah, which is not what his position really was, but he got the crowd to believe that, and that's that. Yeah, everyone, that was everyone difference. said their heart said. Go with Fuller, yeah. but their heads said go with Strickland, and I, I think that that's the hard part of a debate like that, especially because we're kind of settled into this thing. Yeah, that's exactly, and the nail salon uh, comment didn't, I, didn't I like, hurt I like the optimism, though. <laughs> that didn't hurt things. Speaking of Freight Waves Live at Home, it's in the books, right? Yeah, it's in the it books. Is. It's it in the is. books. It is. That's the bad news. It's over. Bad news. It was that's awesome. the bad news. It's in the it's in the books. Uh, if you missed it, you already missed it. Yep. But the good news is the Slack channel is staying open. There's about two thousand people in there. All of the content is being uploaded to the Freightways TV app or by subscribing. You want the audio version? Subscribe to Freightcast on your favorite podcast player of choice. Every single Freightways podcast is there. You won't miss a single thing. Or you can subscribe to them individually. Whatever yeah, you want, right? You absolutely can. But relive history. 
where over three days of our first virtual conference, yeah, these, first are one we've ever done, these are amazing numbers. We hosted 90,469 unique visitors, over 223,595 streams. During the event, FreightWaves at home audience watched over 5 million minutes of FreightWaves live at home content. We alone produced 27 hours of that stuff, the team here at FreightWaves. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and those of us creating content. It was a lot of work, but it was awesome and it was fun. It was it was absolutely five point six million minutes of Freight Waves live home content. Yeah, a little cowbell for everybody who who watched, who shared, who joined the Slack channel. A little cowbell for everybody who's going to watch, going to share, and going to join the Slack channel because it's still open. And a little cowbell for everybody who made this happen, from sponsors to viewers to the TV production team here to Craig Fuller for the vision to everyone else who participated, including the speakers. It was, Amen. It was great stuff. Amen. Couldn't have said it better myself. Awesome. Uh, more bad news, though, Dooner. Yes. The U.S. Postal Service losses continued to mount with a $4.5 billion loss reported on May 8th for the latest quarter amid warnings from the federal agency that the government intervention is needed to avoid a potential service shutdown. You won't get your junk mail anymore unless the government steps in, Dooner. That is bad news. <laughs> is, is there good news? <laughs> well, <laughs> the, well, the good news is, is, I mean, last year they only lost $2.1 billion during the same period. So that was that was that was good. Yeah, uh, they only doubled their losses. Well, I mean, I mean, I, so it could have been worse. <laughs> well, I guess it could have. I don't know. Jake McLeod <laughs> has a question here. He says, "When shippers and brokers were being gouged, like the end of March, would carriers open up their books only to make a small percentage of profit?" And therein lies the debate. People seem to be the ones who are arguing for for regulation or rate transparency yeah. seem to be uh, doing it when the situation favors them. But I never hear them coming to action. In 2018. Yeah, we said this before. I didn't, yeah, middle of 2018, at the peak of everything, I didn't hear anybody yelling about rates. No. I mean, from the driver, from the you know, carrier side. Eric Serter brings up a great point, though. He said the power index being in favor of the shippers isn't necessarily a good thing for the brokers either. No. Everyone's margins are compressed. Even if you're taking 10%, 10% of 300 versus 800 is 30 versus 80, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, we talked about this before. That load from Houston to Odessa that paid $1,700 is now only paying $800. That's not because the broker during these times is now able to pocket $900 of that. Uh, Daniel Bacchus <laughs> says happen. no more junk mail. Junk mail is basically what's junk mail and last no month delivery is the only thing mail. keeping uh, the post office afloat, right? <laughs> it really is. It really is. It's not the personal uh, mail that's moving it, that, that's keeping it running. Jay McLeod said market forces are a good thing. Yeah, and one thing we always stress Amen. with the DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power Index is that you want that thing to be in balance. It's designed to be at 50. You, that's where you really want it so yeah. that both sides of the equation are healthy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But volumes you want dictate that. You can't artificially create no, volumes. they don't. Well, supply and demand. Yeah. Supply and demand, and then the rates when they're when they're down or they're up is set by. Uh, you've got to let this kind of natural selection thing happen instead of of you know bailing out those that can't run their business. Yeah, right. Because it eliminates that guy, the the person in the room, man or woman doesn't matter. We like to call them the dumbest person in the room sets the rates in these type of issues, and those people need to maybe go by the wayside. All right, guys. Now we hear from you in comment section rodeo. Yeah. From the article, USA Truck Post Quarterly Loss, Debt Leverage Rises, Warren says, I'm glad you put cameras on your drivers. What a terrible invasion of privacy. How about putting one on all your desks so everyone can see what you're up to? Oh, that would be interesting, huh? <laughs> that, that, 
That was a good one. What is this from here? Oh, this is from uh, the article. OIDA asked Congress to mandate broker supply uh, uh, deal data to carriers. So Ziff says the only way we will get transparency is if shippers are required to put the rate paid on the bills like it's required on government loads. Mandating brokers to provide it will... uh, while allowing them to create hoops to jump through or allowing them to force companies to sign away their rights to get a load will never work. There are enough companies hauling broker freight that w- they will simply uh, blacklist and roll on if the rate is on the bills. Everyone knows what is going on as long as the shippers are required to put the contracted rate. Wow. Yeah, what do you uh, think? I think you should be careful what you what you wish for. That's <laughs> what I think. <laughs> yeah, he wants the He wants the rate on the bill, right? So you put it on the bill, you post it as a, as a broker. You'd have to post, right? Yeah. So nothing's going to hit the spot market? Why would a carrier post it on there if, if they're not making the margin that they want? Yeah, why I would mean, they do that? That's what drives the economy is the fact that someone can make marginality. If you take the marginality yeah. out of the equation, then you don't have a free and open market anymore. You, you don't. And I, I think you wind up. It'll regulate itself. The day More companies are going to wash out. Yeah, trust me. If you're the little players and the little, a lot of the little smaller owner operators, the ones arguing for this stuff, you keep saying, "Be careful what you wish for," because you're not going to win that fight. No, you're, you're not. You're not going to win the regulation battle. Who's got the lobby? I mean, yeah, you're right. It's it's just it's not a good place to be. No, it it, it isn't. That doesn't it, mean it, that there shouldn't be improvements. There, oh, there certainly could be improvements in some type of hybrid solution or something. But all right, right straight out regulation and this type of thing is all the baggage that comes with it. Baggage regulation. Oh, we're going to regulate rates. Let's do this, 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 and the other. And then you, you're down a slippery, very slippery slope. And then Thomas Smiley Jr. says, so then carriers would not call those shippers and undercut a broker trying to backdoor the broker if they knew the price. Oh, that would be the day. I mean, it's, it's just not realistic, exactly. right? No, I mean, let's talk about realistic solutions. Let's not talk about things that that really aren't going to happen and may be very damaging to an economy anyway. AJ, he said, by the way, Trey Griggs, he's in, he's in the What the Truck Slack channel. He said, are we still monitoring this? Yes, we are, Trey. And like we're saying, the Slack channel is still open. We really want to build this community. We really want everyone to, to come back to it. It's, and it's now, as someone mentioned, I think it was Luke Flaska, Freight Waves Live 365, we can call that thing. There you go. AJ, AJ says, hello, try to post a comment, but it wouldn't let me. So let me guess. I can voice my opinion this way through a comment. I'm in the transportation <laughs> business and have been for almost 20 years, brother. It's not as easy as you know. We have brokers in our business as well. And when I found out how much they charge and they pay us, I stopped working for brokers. Wow, who do you start working for? I, himself. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't, he said he couldn't post a comment, but it's a comment. Like he po- and it's in all caps, too. He can't do it through this. He can't get a post through. All right. Matt uh, says, regardless of what happens or doesn't, they will just find new ways of scapegoating those laws or regulations put in place. I, I think he means skirting those laws uh. or regulations put in place. We are the only industry where we provide a service and are not allowed to set our rate to perform that duty. Is that true? That is not true. <laughs> markets, markets set the rate. Yeah. In, oh, I think if we regulate, you won't be able to. <laughs> regulated industries, they don't. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. In regulated industries, they don't. Yeah. I, like, it's kind of the opposite. Yeah, it, it kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> the rate is set for us by those who are getting rich off of not doing any of the actual work or have any of the actual cost of performing said service. That's not a true statement either. No, it's not. And I think that one of the things that... You and I uh, were talking about before we went on air with that is <sighs> the inherent problem here, I think, that with, 
with some people arguing that that side of the equation, that it should be regulated, they don't realize that brokers and 3PLs and 4PLs do more than just move goods from point A to point B. So in a regulated market, they have even less service offering than being the carriers are picking up off the spark. Uh, you're exactly right. They don't, they're not sure. I mean, <sighs> yeah, ben, I mean, ben says, this just goes to show you how many people own trucks and are clueless how to run a business. Go back to being a company driver. You clearly don't have any interest in running a business. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it, James, James yeah. Bauman, I don't know why so, uh, some many, so many make this mistake of logic. They say transparency is not free market, yet one is asking the government to regulate prices. No highs, no lows, etc. We just want transparency. Here's why. The amount of freight can't be increased because this is also free market, driven by demand. With the amount of freight down, we carriers need as sustainable rates as possible in order to survive. If brokers are currently COVID downturn, Getting, uh, getting say a dollar fifty, but only paying carriers a dollar. This runs carriers out of business. The the current situation is tough on everybody. Yeah. Agreed, one hundred percent. It's a solid point. Sure, but regulation in the answer. No, it's not the answer. And it, it, there's even, I mean, there's there's that one thing that went viral where it's like brokers are taking sixty five percent. I'm sure some are, yeah. but it was it was presented in the most dubious way possible. There's no way of knowing who was on the other end of the phone call or if these emails are spoofed or not. Use your best judgment and don't run freight if you can't afford it. Know the cost of operations. But at the same time, I'm empathetic and I'm glad that people are having these conversations about freight and about the freight economy. Thank you all for joining us for, uh, for this final What the Truck. We did, I think, 11 shows together yeah. this week between Freight Waves Live. Subscribe to FreightCast. Follow me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. You can follow him at Vincent the Dude. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Follow Freight Waves. Subscribe to FreightCast. Get every single Freight Waves podcast. Be safe. Stay away from those murder hornets. Don't import any of those guys. Get some praying mantises. <laughs> Put them in your yard. And we'll see you on Monday. Amen. Boom. Take it easy, guys. <laughs>